United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Cult of Corporation, our new bi-weekly installment where we will be discussing the cult mentality behind corporations, CEOs, and the abnormally wealthy. It's easy to see in the news lately how corporations have more rights and less regulations than most American citizens. And this podcast, we will be diving into how and why people are swept into the cult of corporation. For me, the biggest aha moment was when Roe versus Wade was overturned in the same week that the EPA regulations were lifted for coal and oil companies. We are under the control of corporate power, and it's not the power of the people. Right. The question of who is benefiting from a decision, and it's really hard to imagine how my retirement is more secure from these decisions. It's hard to imagine how healthcare is more affordable or schools are better. It's not helping me. It's not helping the people that I love and care about. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, if you look at the polls of what we the people want versus the decisions that are being made in Washington, you can see that false narrative of you know the power that we have is is dwindling. I even saw too what I enjoy is uh, on Twitter. I mean, not just on Twitter, but on social media in general, people calling out Democrats too, because Mm -hmm. I'm tired of seeing, oh gosh, you know, this all sucks. Like give me $15 so I can fight it. Well, no, you've, nothing's happening. I'm not giving you money. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I get, you don't have the corporate backing of some of these bigger corporations that are funding the GOP, but you're in action speaks more than the $15 you're asking me for. That's such an interesting point. And uh, I totally agree with it. It's like, how is it that 80, I don't know what the number is. I'm actually allergic to numbers like that. They keep people throw them around and I don't know. I don't know how exact and accurate these things are, whether it's 72 or 81 or whatever, but Mm -hmm. it's a bunch of us. It's more Mm -hmm. of us than it isn't who want something and Somehow it's just impossible to make those things happen. Um, mm-hmm. It's impossible to have sensible gun regulation. It's impossible mm-hmm. to have expanded health care. And mm-hmm. apparently it's more important to to be able to sue a family and 
medical professionals and women than it is to protect their futures mm-hmm. and allow them allow someone bodily autonomy not even allow protect that's that's the that's that's the wrong perspective mm-hmm. but protect that the existence of that autonomy that inalienable existence of the autonomy yeah it's it's scary when that the bodily autonomy of corporations is right I can't wrap my head around it, which is why we are starting this bi-weekly installment to get to the bottom of it, because obviously this is an evolution in itself. This has evolved from something, it's snowballed. I mean, we can link it, you know, to lead, like lead snowball. There's a snowball accumulation in your body. All of this is a snowball accumulation. Like I said, I know that we're going to get the links between leaded gas regulations, tobacco regulations. All of the, and obviously the one that they are refusing to address with lead ammunition, all of this pushback is because a group of people who have never been told what to do, mm-hmm. were told what to do. And this is the pushback of that ego. Um, and that's kind of disgusting because yet that ego is greater than the good of the people. That's just a, a level of narcissism that is really causing all this. I feel like at the end of the day, I think that's what it is. I don't, I don't really see it as any other, but you know, who knows, maybe my opinion will change as we dive more into this. Before we were recording, I said to Paul, I can't remember exactly who specifically we were talking about, but we were, we were discussing, I think you discussed how the mass majority of people aren't seen as people to these larger billionaires, like the ones that society apparently can't seem to touch or that apparently don't need to pay their taxes. And I then said that it's like we're living in their Sims reality. They're playing Sims right now. And we're just those people in the background bobbing our heads while they do what they want to do. It's a little hard for, I think, most of us to, it certainly was hard for me to get this. Uh, I didn't get it until a particular history class, and that was the font of God. Being raised in America, the idea of a king not just being a guy who wears a funny hat and has like fancy robes, but literally being divinely chosen by God to mm-hmm. rule in his stead over this like land. That's a weird idea that I don't mm-hmm. think the people I went to, to grade school with are can just pick up. But I'm absolutely sorry. I've never been a king. Have I met a? I've never. Of course, I've never met a king. <laughs> Why did I have to pause? You that? never know. Oh, you know what? I've met someone that met a queen once. I had dinner with oh. someone who met a queen who had who had, like worked on a project with a queen. You know, we think that that's kind of exciting. But if you are the font of God, if you are above all of the rest of these people that you're ruling, you're separate you are you are a different class of human and i'm coming into this with that sort of assumption or i really want to solve that address that question or spotlight that question of like is this a remnant of feudalism is the billionaire class this placeholder for this royal class that we Mm -hmm. used to have for thousands of years they Um, saw the writings on the wall right and And that's the other thing is it's this idea of like thinking ahead. It's not that these things just manifest. And also, like I brought up before, that all corporations are, are the evolution of manifest destiny. Fascinating. That they are manifest destiny hiding behind the face of 
corporations. We're going to get into the history of corporations because it's important to see, because I remember, you know, corporations were supposed to be regulated and there were restrictions to like keep your power from growing too much. But as we were talking about, you know, Jeff Bezos just bought a line of primary clinics. I mean, it's, he literally has a monopoly on all of society. I shouldn't say he has a monopoly, but he has a control over every sector of society at this point. Like if there were to be a collapse, uh, he's got a market on (laughs) every part of society. That's what I know I personally want to get to is that all of this is the evolution of manifest destiny. And it's just a capitalist mask to hide the reality of what they want. Spoiler alert, it's not the good of the people. But, you know, that's another thing, too, like, especially in the 80s, the idea of corporation, you know, it was starting to dwindle a little bit. But there is this concept of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I think that's the key that's missing is there's no concept of responsibility anymore. It was this idea of you want to get to here. Well, you have to also be held accountable. And as we're seeing in every sector that from judicial to Washington, there's no accountability. And if there's no accountability, then what's the point of following the rules (laughs) for people who have the ability to not follow rules. That's the other downfall is this concept is only for a select few, Mm -hmm. which they are fully aware of. And only certain people get to live this way. I know we're going to get more into this, but then the weird mechanism is who are they choosing to come along with them? Who are the elected few that get to enjoy the benefits of these ascended beings of these all-powerful corporations who are the chosen ones that are marked allowed the the grace that kind of it's the ones willing to drink the kool-aid yeah not knowing whether or not whether or not there's cyanide in it michael cohen brought that up with trump how when he asks you to do something he doesn't ask you directly In his testimony, he was saying how, you know, he just like indirectly asked you something and then you just knew that he was asking you to do it, but he's not going to ask you directly because he knows he's not going to take the fall for it. That's so fascinating. So I know that there is a legal mechanism for why he does that. And there Mm -hmm. is a, it mirror, it it also mirrors people who are abusers and relationships sort of like you need to figure out what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I desire. And part of the way that you're going to show and demonstrate trust and love and Mm -hmm. uh, submission is that you have figured that out, that you can read Mm -hmm. my mind. But I'm wondering if there's a religious analogy, if it's analogous to like, like almost Gnosticism, where within the person who's doing the figuring out, so like, if I've read the runes correctly, or if I've interpreted the stars correctly, or if I've listened to the burning bush correctly, or the prophet, and I've figured out what they want, or what the right answer is, Mm -hmm. I then become a kind of a divine interpreter, like, I'm growing closer to having that, like that connection, but also like that power, because I'm figuring these things out. Mm-hmm. They're not telling me directly, but I know just having this thought now, but I wonder if that's a mechanism for really bringing people kind of under a spell of like selling themselves that they believe buying into the cult 
more and more and more because they're constructing more and more things within their own minds. And yeah, I mean, we can see it like that with mega where people need to feel that they're coming to these conclusions on their own. That's what Q does. Yeah. You need to feel like you're the one who knows all this stuff and the other people don't. You have to have the sense of superiority because you don't feel valued. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's about value. And with corporations, it's monetary. And with humans, it's your ego. And again, if you were to ask someone in QAnon or if you were to ask someone in at Jonestown or something like that, like, mm-hmm. how could you think this about this? Like, how could you believe that? Or are, are you really what I'm trying like, if you were to ask them, are you stupid? Why don't you think more about this? Mm-hmm. They couldn't think about this any less. They think about it all the time. Yeah. So it would be ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement. I'm constantly thinking about this. How could I be wrong? Yep. And that's something that I want to make note of and we'll make note of again is when we're discussing this stuff, it's important that we're not looking at the individuals, but the mechanism, because especially with corporations, I mean, a lot of, you know, the cult status is anti-establishment and the most fascinating part about QAnon and Mega and all that is they think that they're against the establishment and against the man, if you will, but they're working for them. I mean, it's it's just so mind-boggling to me that they are working for the institution that they supposedly see as the problem. And that's the other thing. It's like, it's this idea that like, how did they manipulate people into believing that corporations have more rights than humans, I guess? That's something that I know I personally want to get into, because as we'll be discussing, corporate power has taken over our government from lobbyists (laughs) to politicians with corporate agendas. It seems that the good of corporate revenue comes before the good of the people. And that's the biggest thing for me is it's blatantly clear at this point that all that matters is that. And we discussed, too, about you know, the concept of the GOP always saying, you know, people who are on the welfare state and dependent on the welfare state and this and that, completely ignoring that corporations are dependent on their own welfare state, are constantly getting bailouts, are constantly getting money from government, corporate subsidies. And we've said this too, that all you have to do, whatever they're projecting as somebody else doing is what they're doing. The shame and the guilt that they try to project is a projection of their own faults and their own shortcomings. It's nearly a one-to-one thing. I don't understand why that isn't a more common metric. Every time you hear a right-wing pastor hate on gay marriage, it's like, yeah. okay, well, I'll just start my stopwatch, uh, start the clock, the countdown for uh, your scandal. When of, a video is going to come out. When a video is mm-hmm. going to come out of you leaving a bathroom with another mm-hmm. guy. It's like, it's mm-hmm. just, you know. <laughs> and it's well, all the shame and the guilt. And like I said, that's where it comes to the idea of cult and religion. Because even yeah. like all cults too, like they shame you. But then at the same, like, I guess, you know, and it's Darvo too, like in this, like how you like reverse victim and offender. It's like they shame you and guilt you but then they're the ones that can save you. A really important aspect of cult behavior is love bombing. Um, So you're- Which is an abuse tactic. It's a completely, it's absolutely an abuse tactic. So you're 
vacillating. You're, you know, you're moving back and forth between being accepted and protected. Mm-hmm. However, you're also unworthy and you have to do these things to maintain that status. So before we come to terms with how we got here, let's take a look at the origin of cults so that we can hopefully understand a little bit more. So my favorite definition of a cult from the dictionary is, quote, a misplaced excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. And I say, (laughs) like, perhaps the misplaced and excessive (laughs) admiration for a bankrupt real estate mogul who inherited the business from his son or dad and has difficulty saying the word yesterday and refuses to admit that he lost the election, even though there is no evidence to say otherwise. Like well, that? that's a really specific definition. That's really interesting. <laughs> For some reason, I actually, I'm drawn to that definition. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also something too we need to say is the word cult has negative connotations, but that's not necessarily negative. You hear it and you automatically think of Jonestown. You automatically think of Heaven's Gate. There's two sides to every coin. And that's something that we have to look at too. So what is a cult? According to encyclopedia.com, quote, the term cult is derived from a Latin root meaning to break ground, particularly in preparing a field for domesticated crops. The same root is seen in culture in both a specialized scientific sense, such as bacteria culture, or in a broader social sense, such as human culture. By extension, it was originally used in a religious sense, meaning behavior glorifying a deity or saint, such as the cult of St. James. And by the 19th century, the word came to be used pejoratively about those who were excessively devoted to popular authors, worshiping them as saints. Around 1900, this pejorative use influenced anthropologists to use cult to refer to ancient or allegedly primitive religious practices, end quote. The word cult in itself has its own evolution. And it's really messy. And its messiness is multiplied because it's used to describe things that uh, are often seen as absolute. It's used to describe a deity or a spiritual experience, just otherworldly things. And even if you're on the outside looking in, you're, <laughs> you're just expecting a kind of definitive answer. Someone's much smarter than I once said that we are all fundamentalists of other people's religion. Why aren't you wearing this? Uh, Why aren't you practicing that? How can you be eating that? You claim to be of this religion. It's like, well, there are liquor stores in Mongolia, and Mongolia is a Buddhist nation. We're all nuanced. Mm -hmm. When we think of the word cult, or we we think they would have this absolute definition, but it's not unlike its practices, it's really messy. You laid out, it's changed over time. So for for us to use it, there's always going to be some gaps. Yeah. And according to Wikipedia, the term cult first appeared in English in 1617, derived from the French culte, meaning worship, which in turn originated from the Latin word cultus, meaning care, cultivation, worship. The meaning devotion to a person or thing is from 1829. However, the term cult might have first appeared in the 1600s, according to Wikipedia, but cults have been around much longer than that. Still from Wikipedia, quote, Cicero defined religio as cultus, I am not saying any of this right, diorum, the cultivation of, is it? Yeah. Okay. Quote, the cultivation of the gods, the cultivation necessary to maintain a specific deity 
was that God's cultists or cult and required the knowledge of giving the gods their due. The noun cultus originates from the past participle of the verb colo, which is to tend to take care of and to cultivate, originally meaning to dwell in, inhabit, and thus to tend to cultivate land, to practice agriculture, and fundamentally to Roman identity, even when Rome as a political center had become fully urbanized. Cultus is often translated as cult. Without the negative connotations, the word may have in English or in the Old English word worship, but it implies the necessity of active maintenance beyond passive adoration. Cultus was expected to matter to the gods as a demonstration of respect, honor, and reverence. It was an aspect of the contractual nature of Roman religion, and Augustine of Hippo echoes Cicero's formulation when he declares religion is nothing more than the cultus of God, end quote. So I think in this we see something that's a little strange even to like passerbys of Christianity and kind of Western mm -hmm. divinity where someone could belong to a cult and practice sort of another quote unquote religion, what we would call a religion, or they might be in more than one cult because mm -hmm. it was really about your behavior and your, it was about a practice. You did this mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like now where we are fixated on our faith. Our faith is the measure in which we are connected to the divine or that we're accepted by the divine. And what I like about what the, what you've, you've put together is I think it, this is something that happens in modern cults is the practice is a very specific kind of activity, but it's a kind of thinking. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's abstracted itself to become a more, um, a more active kind of faith, a very specific kind of faith that ends up be coming out in, in activities that that cult participates in, which is fascinating. I don't think there would be a faith test or like, what did you, what do you believe in some of these groups that Cicero, like if you went to the cult of Eleusis, it didn't matter what you believed as so much as like you made this pledge and then you did these few things and you walked this walk and then you mm -hmm. participated in this, this ritual and then you were in the cult. What I find most interesting in relation to what we're talking about is they bring up this concept of the devotion to a practice that is outdated when Rome had become fully urbanized. And that made me think of the cult of corporation behind energy hmm. and this devotion to coal and gas, even though we are in a phase where we should be adapting to renewable energy. The cult of corporation is stuck on this concept that we can only use fossil fuels. We can only use these outdated systems when our society should be evolving past that. Every time it's brought up about solar energy or wind energy, the coal corporations and the politicians who are paid by them are constantly talking about, you know, taking away from the coal workers and this and that, and, you know, not talking about the amount of thousands and more jobs that they would have and higher paying jobs in renewable energy. It's, I just find that so fascinating, like this refusal to adapt something that benefits all of humanity and would benefit revenue too. I mean, I guess not in the long run because it does save money and they don't want to save money. They want to make money. <laughs> That's a really good point. I think as we move through this, one of the assumptions that I'll be making is that 
we in the contemporary world participate in a lot of magical thinking. And it, I actually think it's really illogical to expect people to act logically. We could lay out exactly why something is better. Mm -hmm. uh, often that's going to be overlooked and actually pushed away for a much more simple, I guess the word I'm looking for is like gratifying. The fact that wind energy might be more efficient in the long run. I have a story about my ancestors working in a coal mine and how this is what my people do. Yeah. So I can't the heritage aspect. Yeah. I can't. Well, I'm going to say that's magical thinking. Like somehow by protecting this tradition, this heritage, my family and my lineage and my ancestors are deriving additional or continued value. You know, that's, all I can think of when you just said that. <laughs> Suck it to me. The people with the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. How it's part, it's their heritage and it's something, you know, that they have to hang on to it, even though it's not good. <laughs> or real. Or real. <laughs> yes. But that's exactly what popped in my head when you said that. It is that same link. Mm -hmm. That false identity. And we can't talk about cults without talking about one of the OG cults, which is Christianity, because any religion started as a cult, you don't just have this grandiose religion. You know, it doesn't just pop up with like millions of people following. There's a snowball. Everything is a snowball effect. Yeah, we're not breaking any ground. It's not a controversial thought to acknowledge the, the fact that Christianity is the most successful cult in human history. This is my one of my biggest pet peeves is that a lot of people with very sinister agendas like to use Christianity as this front, which pretty much nothing that they talk about is anything Christ believed in or would have promoted. A lot of the stuff that they're quoting is from the Bible, not from Christ. And that's like one of my biggest pet peeves is there's a difference between the Bible and Christ's word. I don't know enough about this. I, I really should. I'm sure there's a term for this. I think of this as the imperfect translator problem. And mm -hmm. it's like, for me, when I read the Bible, I just see this as a series of stories about people really fucking up. Everybody <laughs> fucks up in the Bible. <laughs> The Old Testament is about a series of people that are just not able to live up to their expectations. And then yeah. God's like, okay, here we go again. All right, I'm going to send you Jeremiah. And you're, okay, okay, mm -hmm. all right. All right, here go Moses. And uh, <laughs> Abraham is not doing the right thing. And um, Clearly. <laughs> and so everybody's messing up. And then the New Testament is this really quick radio drama, a series of radio dramas of how no one is living up to what Jesus wants from them. The mm -hmm. apostles can't do it. Paul's saying we're all imperfect. Like we have to come up with all these rules about how what we need to do because we just can't live up to these expectations. And yeah. then there's just this crazy fever dream with Revelation that we're like, all right, you angry people, we'll put this one in, in the back. But anyway, <laughs> I don't understand if we're all messing up and we're all imperfect agents Whoever wrote this was an imperfect agent. And then whoever is reading it is an imperfect agent. Why does anyone think, even if everything was perfect, we still can't interpret it perfectly. So why do people think this is like, I have to do exactly this? You yeah, know what I'm saying? Not, like, it's not a playbook. 
it can't be a playbook because the playbook <laughs> itself is saying you don't know how to follow a playbook. Yeah. <laughs> Even if God told me, tell them to do this, I will not be able to tell them to do this correctly. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. And then the people that I tell are not going to do that correctly. It's a bad, weird game of divine telephone. It, well, and that's even, the thing too, is it's the cherry picking. Right. It's like, there's people that will go to certain people who like to use the Bible and, and quote it. You can find a quote to contradict really every book. quote. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a big book. Well, so, so that's the other thing. Like when we talk about the rise of cults and they start out as this small thing, you know, that guy who I even wrote it into the screenplay, the uh, the first in the, the Muse series of mm-hmm. there's the guy like with the, the priest with the, you know, the end is near sign and, you know, like has the Bible and is saying all this end of day stuff. And like they used to be this small sector that was just, you know, that crazy person on the side of the on their soapbox on this corner of the street. And now they're multi-million church crazy cults and like that rise. Also magical thinking. Like how is it that you can live in a logic of we need to be big. We need to have jets. We need to have flashy music and expensive television in order to get the word out. I need hundreds of of millions of dollars (laughs) in order to really share the word when people are starving so why tell me please because it wasn't working doing it without all that yeah that's why they needed it like they weren't it's again it's that mentality of won't back down this is the road i'm going down it's the ayn rand mentality that we will be getting to their obsession manifest destiny this is the way nobody's going to tell me otherwise and i will do whatever it takes to make people see that. If I have to brainwash them, if I have to dupe them, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen. And in a sense, it has. (laughs) It's magical thinking in that it's personal and group slide. It's intellectual sleight of hand. uh, Yeah. With this agenda that like somehow, some way, uh, this this needs to be the way the world works. And yes. Encyclopedia.com goes on to say, quote, most cults in the historical record have been short-lived, but some persist to become the nuclei of important religious movements, i.e. Christianity. Cults in both senses have been commonplace in European history from ancient times. Mystery cults, common in the Greek and Roman world, clearly were seen as charismatic movements that presented challenges to mainstream religions. Such groups, particularly the Bacchanalia, the, the thank you, were frequently accused of being cults in the negative, sociopathic sense. Similarly, persecution of the early Christian church by Roman authorities was based on the persistent rumors that it was a dangerous cult that abducted and cannibalized babies. End quote. I never knew about the cannibalism rumors babies and cannibalism before and that is so fascinating because think about the satanic panic it's all about babies that that it's always about (laughs) in the bible it talks about uh moloch and for anyone listening i'm not gonna weigh in on what moloch was i know that i do not know like whether that was a deity or a practice or an object or there's a lot of stuff going on in the translation of that but it's like the phoenicians 
killing babies and sacrificing babies. And it was, as far as I can tell, as far as I understand it, propaganda of these Gentile groups. Mm-hmm. Like it's all—it's always been about people are so awful. They're—they're they're doing this to the babies. Yeah, it's showing how they hijack these movements too. So they tried to repress it because it was disrupting the, the Roman authority. Mm-hmm. The same with you know the idea of the satanic panic that these because not based in reality. And we brought up Jenny Thomas and the cult she came from. You know, kidnapping. Or not that she came from, but the the one that she was indoctrined into after leaving the other cult, kidnapping people to quote unquote save them, mm-hmm. and it's all, it's all for this control. It's the it's it's no different than what Roman authorities needed to do then. They needed to have that control and the freedom of thinking, or the freedom of thinking differently, and not believing in the cult of the authority that you need to listen to them to live a good life. You need to follow these rules to live a good life. It's the same thing. And so then they hijacked Christianity and made it completely not what it is. It's just interesting to see that the same stuff used by, quote, Christians, these evangelicals, these radical Christians, was used against Christ and his followers at the beginning. Anyways, encyclopedia.com goes on to discuss the different perspective of cults by saying, quote, the popularity of this negative sense makes the term difficult to define objectively, since a cult in an outsider's eyes may well be a new religion to someone inside the group. So we were just, ta- end quote, so we were just talking about that with Christianity. How would these so-called Christians who are using the satanic panic method feel about the fact that this is how Christianity wouldn't have gotten to where it is had they had their way back then, if that makes sense? I don't remember the name of the scholar, but I do remember I heard it on the Religion for Breakfast uh, YouTube channel, which is a phenomenal channel. And uh, Oh, it's it's just great. The scholar that the... YouTuber was interviewing had said uh, they can't get away from using the term cult, but in their work, they will often use the phrase like contentious new religious movements because they just don't have the benefit of history, like being removed by hundreds, if not thousands of years from Mm -hmm. from their beginning. And we can see this with Mormonism. You know, the stories of Mormons are the early morning Mormon community uh, have some pretty dark chapters, Mm -hmm. but uh, so does any new religion. And that's Mm -hmm. always in the super distant past of the long, long ago. Uh, Yeah. But Mormons, it's like, oh, yeah, that happened on this street that happened in 200 miles from Chicago. Yeah. Encyclopedia.com goes on to say, quote, both the positive and negative uses of the term, however, agree that a cult is a small religious group that exists in tension with a predominant religion. In particular, such groups are highly cohesive in structure and are headed by a dominant leader who influences members' behavior in dramatic ways. They pursue a transcendent goal, claiming that the truths they perceive will transform all of society and encourage direct religious experience through participation in rituals intended to foster ecstatic or supernatural phenomena. Often, though not always, they are apocalyptic in nature, holding the contemporary society as hopelessly corrupt 
and will soon be destroyed or transformed through the direct intervention of supernatural forces, end quote. Hello, QAnon. <laughs> Good Lord. Like I said, too, how capitalism and corporations are just manifest destiny in a new mask. That whole concept is how they've duped so many people into following what is their perceived actual enemy. I'm wondering if, this is something I haven't really thought about, I'm wondering if cults sort of need to have an impend, like current modern cults, new, you know, these contentious new religious movements. I wonder if they need to have a impending and impending event. There's yes. always this thing that's a, the shoe that's about to drop. Well, the impending event for corporations is this concept that doing the what's best for the people, that it's going to destroy capitalism, is going to destroy America. So the, the apocalyptic event mm -hmm. is the destruction of the U.S. because to them that is the world. I'm thinking about gun control and how yeah. we're just moments away from the government taking your guns. They're going to yes. come and take it's all guns. Yeah, that's it's apocalyptic in its own sense. absolutely about to happen. Yeah. Yeah, they, it's the fear tactic. And they use that. It's just not in the concept. It's the same. It's just in a new mask. At the end of the day, what we're trying to show is yeah. all of this is that. It's just not seen in, in the perspective that you might think it's supposed to be. It's fascinating. Yeah. Going back, quote, during the late 20th century, rumors of cult activities in the United States especially developed around the development of new religious movements. Rumors that such cults engaged in blood sacrifices, sex rituals, or child abuse became especially prevalent in the second half of the century. The process, an allegedly satanic organization active in Great Britain and the United States during the 1960s, was a repeated target as a cult in the negative sense. But a detailed sociological study of the group by William Bainbridge showed that the popular image was misleading, end quote. We discussed this as far as the projection. I mean, all every time there's a pastor or a politician who's on their soapbox yeah. way too obsessively about the, the wrong or the shaming of other people because of their sexual orientation or... So much corruption. People are just stealing in there. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones doing it. They're the ones stealing. <laughs> Spoiler alert. They're the ones with the sex tape. Because you have to deflect. It's all deflection. They think the more that they can deflect and put this on somebody else, the less people are going to look at them. And it actually works for a lot of people. I mean, granted, there's karma that does actually come to play with some people, but there's a lot of people still out there who are deflecting and getting away with it. I mean, you can even just look at the church itself. How much corruption and child abuse is within the church? Yeah. Oh, just ridiculous. The ruining of lives rather than like a rainbow brunch yeah. with someone who feels excited and empowered by who and knows who they are. Like, knows who oh, they are. What a horrible thing to to share with kids. And that goes again, it goes back to exactly where we started with saying the reason to have to create this fear. Mm -hmm. And the same with with the Romans having to say that Christians were eating babies is because they were losing the control they had over those people. And it's the same with what you just said, children being able to find who they really are, children being able to be who they really are and discovering themselves by somebody who, a drag queen who is being themselves. 
and shining that light. They don't want that light shown. They need those people to be controlled. How are they going to control them if they are told something that they know isn't good and they go against it? (laughs) Yeah. But not all cults are bad, according to encyclopedia.com. Quote, such extreme cases such as the Jonestown Massacre and Heaven's Gate distract scholars from studying objectively the many cults that continue to arise within mainstream religions and uh, as alternatives to them. However, many more such groups remain diffuse enough that their members' involvement in these religious groups does not separate them from their everyday work and social worlds. Such cults have been and will continue to be positive factors in the development of new religions and the modification of mainstream sects. In response to cults' challenges, in addition to cults composed of charismatic Christians, many more such groups have become devoted to reviving neo-pagan rituals and investigating paranormal phenomena such as UFOs. According to a 2001 American Religious Identification Survey, the numbers of self-proclaimed Wiccans increased nearly 17-fold from 8,000 to 138,000 during the previous 10 years, with an additional 200,000 now belonging to a pagan or new age. Such new movements continue to provide individuals with creative means for pursuing religious experience, end quote. And please, dear God, I hope the witch trials do not come back. <laughs> I mean, they are already here, but like oh, sure. literal, they're, again, another one wearing a new mask. Like the witch trials have been here already. Like, yeah, it'll be a, a $10,000 a lawsuit for women and people that assist women. And yes, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing that we know we need to know is that important part is when a member's involvement in the religious group does not separate them from their everyday work and social worlds. So, so that's where that split happens. I think we're seeing some messiness right here. And that is sort of by definition of the definition, <laughs> which keeps changing, mm-hmm. uh, like this cult would not have they're saying there's there's new cults happening all the time and some of them are positive but these new cults that are positive allow for people to have other aspects of their life prioritized and one of the models for defining a religion i think we talked about this in the last episode was the bite model uh, which i hope i get right now which is behavior control thought control information control is the i and then e is uh i'm gonna look this up hopefully edit this out stephen hassan's bite model emotional control oh yeah this is not a an exhaustive way or like it's not that something would have these things but it's a way of identifying the existence of i I see it as a way of identifying the existence of these practices in a group and noting the existence of these practices in a group they tend to be cult-like then the easiest ways to identify a cult is the absolute shunning or active dismissal of any kind of outside information. So the idea of like, I totally agree with this statement. It would be great to have cults that allow people to have like full lives and friends and family and softball Tuesdays. And, but then they wouldn't, <laughs> then they wouldn't be in a, cult, in a cult. Well, see, but that, I think that's what this is trying to get at. Sure is that the term cult has been hijacked and there are cults that you can do that. If we it, have the concept that you can't. It's sort of funny because, and I totally, I totally acknowledge that. And I agree with that. And it's, it's, I'm just trying to point out that in the modern use of the term cult, yes, like that that's what work, I mean, yeah. 
but in the original use of the term cult where it's yeah. like oh i'm a soldier i'm going to be a part of like the cult of mithras even though i pray you know to artemides or mm-hmm. you know like or not artemides that's a person athena or something like that you can do those things and still because mm-hmm. it was about what you did it was about your practice not not your your belief your behavior yeah. not your belief yeah because there's there's cults out there that it's it is you just being you yeah that's that's the end goal that's the end game is to just have you open up to being yourself and where it stems off is then where you believe that everyone has to follow that in order to get to that state with you yeah the evangelical christians you have to be this type of christian to get to feel that otherworldly sense and then the other scary thing for me is that this like knowledge this belief that not everyone can so yeah there literally it is an acknowledgement that there's only 144,000 elect like in Jehovah's Witness like that's it that's all that's the only people that are getting in like you're just not gonna make it so what yeah. kind of thinking what kind of manifest like, destiny what kind of, <laughs> yeah so you start seeing people as not people they're just people that ain't you know yeah same thing with billionaires Yes, in the cult of Ayn Rand. Yes. It's all coming from the same place. And that's something, too. I was shocked a few weeks ago, or maybe it was a few months ago. I saw the hashtag Satanic Panic trending on Twitter. Awesome. Yes. And so I was like, great. And the reason it was trending was because there was some tactic the GOP was trying to pull, which people were calling out. So I'm glad to finally see a revival of it in a sense just to show the reality. Lovely. Yeah. The light is being shown and like going back to cults, you know, I'm in the cult of synchronicities and law of attraction. And a lot of astrologers said, you know, the year 2020 was going to give us 2020 vision. And I think the problem people had with that was thinking that 2020 vision, we were going to live, have this, you know, lovely rapture of like, we're, we're finally past it type of thing. But no, 2020 vision means you're going to see things for how they really are. Mm. And so it did give us 2020 vision. A lot of people's eyes were open. A lot of people's eyes were open. A lot of people's <laughs> eyes were open to the realities. And so we're still working through that. Like we're still having to see things for how they really are. So I agree that like, that's a, an exciting thing. I want to add I also think that that's frightening. And the reason why I think it's frightening is when people realize how something actually operates and they see the complexity and it's overwhelming, the popular narrative is like, we're all going to start voting more and we're going to start, you know, speaking up and raging against police brutality and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. But I actually, I think what we have historically done is receded to simpler magical concepts yeah. that that let us feel accepted and okay at the in the moment. I hope we're not doing that, but that's my my concern is that we ha- if we had 2020 vision and we're like, "Oh wow, this is how the world the world's on fire. Racism, you know, structural <laughs> racism is is uh <laughs> is harming all of us. America lives on a stol- in a stolen land and we preach pulling ourselves up on our bootstraps and paying our way as we built this corporations do not as we've built this empire on stolen land uh, off the blood of entire group of people and uh yeah that's that's pretty heavy so yeah all the you know all these buildings that 
they make laws in were built by slaves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So why not There's... recede to a simpler concept? I haven't watched that movie, Don't Look Up, yet. Have you? I have seen it. Okay, so that, that's something that's trending a lot right now is these With the news weather clips. person? Yes. Yeah. And that just, what you just said made me think of that. You know, that people are just going to go into this denial fantasy. They've seen it. They don't like it. So they're going to use then the negative part of using the law of attraction and only seeing what you want to see and believing that it's going to change everything else because that can get you into that mentality of just pretending it's not happening because it's easier. At the end of the day, it is. It's easier to not have to face things. So hopefully that can not repeat that, but who knows? So yeah. yeah, that would be great. That would be great. But you know, so tune in next week as we discuss the origins of corporations and their rights to cult status, because we can't understand the concept of cult with corporations until we actually identify the origins of corporations, because that's another thing too, is that was something new at one point. Sure. A corporation was not the dominant power corporations, I mean, granted, again, they were also just a mask of manifest destiny in their own in their own right. Um, but I don't think that mo most people today, especially like the generation beneath us, really have an understanding of corporations because they've just been there. Do you know what I mean? Does that oh, I sense? do. Yeah. Okay. The idea that a court, yeah, that it, I think ideas like democracy, ideas like capitalism, uh, it's like, well, people have bought and sold things since the beginning of time since the beginning of humans right and it's like yeah but capitalism is about 400 years old you know six to 400 years old it's not the default human experience uh same thing with corporations same thing same thing with the nation the nation state the nation states like five nations are like 500 years old just a crazy yeah, that's, idea. that's something we really need to get into because we just have that's just the way it is that's just the way it's always been it's you know this yeah. Corporations did not have the power, or I'm sorry, they kind of did always have the power and control, but decisions and were not made. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to get to the point that I want to say. <laughs> well, we're going to get to it next week. <laughs> we're going to get to it next week. So tune in next week because I'll have my thoughts more. Con uh, you see, I can't even talk. All right. Anyways, tune in next week, everyone, as we discuss the origins of corporations and their rise to cult status. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon, where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning, we do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.